This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, episode 97, top three things to do if you have chronic pain. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. Hello, my loves. Today, I wanted to combine some concepts and simplify for you what to do if you have chronic pain. I like to try to simplify concepts as much as possible because there's a lot going on with chronic pain and you've been told one thing for a while and now you're starting to learn completely different things. There can be unknowns. Our brain doesn't like that. Most of what I teach is counterintuitive and opposite of what you've been doing. Like instead of hustling and doing more things, actually less is more. Calming yourself is better than checking 10 things off a list. In fact, usually what I say is that it's not about what you do. It's the emotion that you have behind it. If you're coming from fear, any of the techniques that you're trying are going to have a different effect on your body than if you're coming from a loving place, doing it out of love for yourself. So that's why there is no checklist of number one through five that you can do to get out of pain. And that's why it is so confusing and frustrating for so many people. So if you are brand new to this and there's a lot of overwhelming information, this episode will really help you get a perspective on what to work on. Same with if you've been working on this for a little while and maybe you can see one of the gaps that you're missing. And even if you've had mind-body issues in the past that you're not really currently struggling with, these are good concepts to keep practicing just to keep you in tip-top shape physically and mentally. Okay, so the first thing to do when you have chronic pain is to start to be the detective for the opposite. I think I got that name from Curable. There are a lot of people that talk about this concept. So I think of a detective with a notepad that is making a case and you wanna make the strongest case possible that what you're thinking is not true. So this can be for chronic pain or it can be for any limiting beliefs you have like um, I'm not good with money and you would want to make the case writing down the things that are not true about that. So any limiting beliefs, but here what we're talking about is how this relates to chronic pain. Now your brain is used to looking for and finding pain. And maybe if you've had chronic pain a while, even when you're not in pain, your brain is still kind of anticipating it, thinking about it, wondering when it will come. So there's a lot of activity in neural pathways centered around pain or avoiding pain that are going on continuously in your brain. And usually the longer that it goes on with chronic pain, the more of these neural pathways you have. And they've seen with people's MRIs, functional MRIs of their brain, that people with chronic pain, their brain gets very reactive to any kind of dangerous, perceived dangers or stimuli, like a noise that's annoying or a hot feeling sensation placed on the skin, their brain is so active in looking for any kind of these stimuli in the world and kind of amplifying the effect of them in the brain. So with detective for the opposite, say usually I get pain after sitting for 30 minutes, I would start to notice any times 
that I feel better than that. And a hint is usually it happens when you're very distracted, when you're doing something fun, when you're um, not thinking about it. So this is the kind of stuff that in Alan Gordon's book, The Way Out, he talks about having constant back pain for two years. And then he was in a very intense basketball game that he was watching and it was in double overtime. He was really excited about it. And he noticed for the first time in two years that he didn't have pain. And that even lasted for a little while that he didn't have any pain and then it came back. So that is a detective for the opposite moment. What you can think of is if there was a structural issue, that does not explain why in that moment he didn't have pain. So you can listen to the episode I have on the fit criteria by Dr. Howard Schubiner to really get familiar with the ways that neuroplastic pain behaves to look for those. Or you could just start looking for things, like I said, that are different than what you already believe. So if you believe that every morning you wake up and your pain's about a five, you might notice that there was that one morning that you woke up and it was a three. And you don't have to go back to the past. Just from now on, keep noticing what feels better. And the reason I'm saying to notice what feels better is that I used to tell people to look for patterns that were different either way. Like say they hadn't done very much, but then they have a lot of pain. And then they're still focusing on the pain that they have. So I really think it's important for this exercise to only focus on when you feel better than expected, more relief than expected, less tired, more focused, less digestional issues, things like that. The digestional issues made me think of how I do this with my daughter. I don't even tell her, but I've just been noticing and being the detective for the opposite. She's formed a belief that she's lactose intolerant, but I've always seen how her stress shows up in her stomach. And she tends to have more stomach pains, you know, when there's something going on that's stressful, which happens a lot when you're a teenager. So she has kind of a mild reaction to lactose products sometimes. And I've just been paying attention to the times that, you know, we're on vacation and she gets ice cream and she feels fine. Or the times that we're just out shopping together and she gets ice cream and feels fine. And I'm not even telling her this, but I'm just making this case of like, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but it's probably more related to the stressful situation than it is to the food itself or the movement or the activity, things like that. Okay. Oh, and I would also suggest getting a notebook and actually writing down those things. It's crazy, but part of our brain, the reticular activating system is programmed to only see the things, only perceive the things that fit our beliefs. So you really have to start steering your brain in another direction. It'll be very easy to overlook these things and your brain will very easily forget them. I've had clients, even within a session, tell me something at the beginning of the session about having less pain. And later they go back to their old story. Oh, I always have pain when I do that. And when I call them out, it's like, they're a little disoriented. Oh yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's crazy, but the brain will totally neglect information that doesn't fit its pattern. 
So do not underestimate the power of this tool. This is one of the very most powerful tools that I can suggest to anyone that has any kind of symptoms. They're wondering if there's a mind-body component. You just start getting curious. You just start noticing what doesn't fit the pattern, especially when you're feeling really good. And when your brain gets into the habit of looking for what feels good, it's very different than how your brain has been working, looking for what doesn't feel good. We know the brain and neuroplasticity works by what you focus on, you create more of. So if you want to build the neural pathways of feeling better, start looking for times that you do feel better. Naturally, what's going on? You don't have to force it. You just observe with this curious mind. I think of it as opening the door just a crack. And I have been positively amazed with what happens with myself and my clients when you have a little more curiosity about what's going on. Okay, the second main thing to do if you have chronic pain is to understand your nervous system and start learning to regulate your nervous system. The nervous system determines whether you're in survival states or you're in the parasympathetic calm state where your body can rest and repair. Most of us live in survival states. That's how we're programmed to live because of the beliefs of our society and how we're taught. And most of us put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So even if externally there's not a tiger chasing us, we can still produce the same cortisol and adrenaline in our body as if there is just by being very harsh on ourselves and being our own worst critics. When you are in survival states, your body changes physiologically. It prepares for the threat. Our nervous system can get activated with fight or flight, preparing to run or fight. And there's more muscle tension, faster heart rate, shallow breathing, and changing of blood flow, no digestion, because you, know, you don't have time for that if you have to fight or flight. The system can also go into overwhelm and shut down, like in freeze or fawn. If you have a lot of fatigue, brain fog, hopeless, helplessness, feeling shame, being a people pleaser, any of those kinds of things are survival states that changes the physiology of how your body works. So it is very important to know when you're in a survival state because we can mistake those things for, you know, something's going on medically with my body, say high blood pressure, for example, we know the blood pressure changes with being in an activated state. So if you're still living in a survival state and then just take some blood pressure medication, it's not really addressing the problem that's causing the high blood pressure in the first place. So I teach you all about how to understand the nervous system in a very simple way. I know there are more in-depth ways, but I like to, again, really simplify it so that you can physiologically feel the differences in your body. And then you can understand, ah, this is my nervous system trying to protect me. This is bringing up something that's similar to when I was a child and my nervous system was developing and I went into this survival state. So there's information here for me. We want to understand when our nervous system goes into a survival state and have compassion for what's going on, not just think of it as, oh, we've done something wrong, that we're back in the survival state. So with nervous system regulation, there's three steps. I got these from Simone Soul. Aware, allow, act. Aware is 
what I was saying, identifying which nervous system state you're in, allow being compassionate with yourself, not judging yourself and act. That's where you take some kind of action to regulate your nervous system. It may look different from one person to another, and even within the same person from day to day, depending on what's going on. So this is where you get a lot of practice, you develop a toolbox of types of things that work for you to regulate your nervous system that you can apply in different situations and the ability to check in with yourself to know which of your tools to use and start to develop this connection and and intuitive sense with your body. There are many different things you can do to regulate your nervous system. Some are top down. So like involving changing your thoughts and the way you're thinking about things, reframing things. And then there are a lot of bottom up approaches. So using the body to tell the vagus nerve, to tell the brain that we are okay, that we're safe. So some of the somatic or bottom-up approaches would be things like breathing or tapping or exercising or humming or shaking or meditating or many, many, many other techniques. So this is an art. We're always practicing nervous system regulation. Even people that don't have chronic pain or have gotten out of chronic pain, I still practice and I'm getting better and better at my nervous system regulation, but it is a lifelong journey. So don't think that you ever get to this point where you're completely in the calm state all of the time. That would mean you're not living because we are meant to go into and out of these survival states. We don't need to be scared that we went into fight or flight. We just need to know what's going on so we don't get stuck in it. That's what we wanna avoid is getting stuck in fight or flight, getting stuck in freeze. But when we have the knowledge and tools of what's going on, you can have the compassion with yourself to get through it in a way that doesn't exacerbate the symptoms by beating yourself up even more. The good news is though, that as you practice this, you get back into the calm state easier and easier. And the amount of time you stay in the calm state expands. Sometimes they call it the window of tolerance. So your tolerance of what goes on in the world without needing to react and get into a survival state expands. You're not as reactive. And when you are, it's much easier to get back. So I know hearing that it's a lifelong journey can sound overwhelming and upsetting sometimes, But also it may help for you to have some compassion for yourself with this process. And that leads us perfectly into number three, the last main thing to do if you have chronic pain is to have compassion for yourself, compassion for yourself where you are, compassion for what you're going through and the ups and the downs of this process. Generally speaking, it's extra hard for people who have chronic pain to be compassionate with themselves because they generally have a habit of being high achievers, perfectionists, people that have really placed a lot of value in doing things and excelling. And so this process can be less rewarding than checking something off a list and getting it done. And you may be highly self-critical. You may have cultivated this skill of accepting nothing less than the best from yourself, finding all the faults and really focusing on them. And again, since what you focus on, you create more of, 
You don't want to be focusing on what you're feeling the most negative about yourself, finding little flaws and being critical of yourself more than you would with someone else. Generally, if you weren't going to say it to your own child or to a best friend, you don't want to be saying that kind of stuff to yourself. It doesn't help. And we know that it actually puts you into a survival state, which contributes to the pain you're feeling if you have chronic pain. So I actually find learning about the nervous system helped me be so much more compassionate with myself because then I could look at the way my body responds subconsciously as being something that is controlled by my nervous system and brain. And my nervous system was formed when I was a child. So these things, sometimes they've even had some really strange symptoms go on with my body that I think, man, I'm not even that stressed. But if my nervous system has gone into a survival state, that is one way that I know I may be more stressed than I realized. Maybe that was more of a big deal to me than I realized. Maybe it reminds me of something that I dealt with as a teenager. And so maybe now's the time to really look into that and journal about it but it's not like my brain is my enemy. It's not fighting against me. None of this is happening because I'm doing it wrong or I'm not good enough. These are just old neural pathways, misfirings. The brain is interpreting information as dangerous when it's not. And we are just on this process of rewiring our brain, retraining it, retraining our nervous system not to be so reactive. And really this process, if you want to speed it up, it's by slowing down. It's by having more compassion. It's by taking more breaks, regulating your nervous system can a lot of times look like resting or not doing something. So getting out of chronic pain really ends up teaching you a lot of skills that people learn in life coaching about being kinder to themselves, about not being people pleasers or how to have better boundaries. So healing with love is going to be better than healing from fear honoring yourself, getting in touch with what your intuition and your body is telling you is going to go better than looking outside of yourself for advice, relying on other experts, because you've probably already found you can ask 10 different people what to do and they can tell you 10 different things. So this process teaches you to align with yourself the way you know what's right for you is how it's feeling in your body, whether it's the thoughts or the emotions that you have or the actions that you're taking. And we know from neuroscience that as you start changing your thoughts and your emotions, you start changing the physiology of your body. If you would like to start working on this with support, with a coach, with a community, I have a great offer for you. It's my Flow Not Force monthly membership where you'll have weekly calls with me. There are modules with all of the information that I teach for my small group program. You have access to all of that, the resources, the workbooks, and there'll be community support, written coaching, and a private podcast you can listen to the call replays on at your convenience. If this is calling to you, check the link in the show notes. I would love to see you there. All right, guys, have a good week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.